and welcome to Pod on the Dog, episode 22. This podcast is brought to you by Natural Instinct. Did you know that the meat in Natural Instinct is all British from British farms and they only use the freshest fruits and vegetables in their food to create a super healthy, balanced diet for your dog as nature intended? You are what you eat right and this applies to our dogs too. So enter the discount code VOTY15 at the checkout to receive 15% off. Now I'm your host, Boti Hardcastle, and you can find me at Boti Hardcastle on Instagram to follow all the latest shenanigans in dogdom. Now, a little different this episode, uh, we've covered puppies, which is always a really popular topic, but I wanted to discuss the other end of the scale of life. Now, elderly dogs, I feel like it's a topic that's not much discussed, uh, but so, so important. Obviously, it's really important that we look after elderly dogs as much as we look after our puppies. So joining this week is a lady much loved in the grooming community, as well as within her own profession, a busy working mum who educates in animal first aid, as well as many other topics. You're a veterinary surgeon, first and foremost, a seasoned public speaker, founder of Animal Love and someone who is always working for the best care of our little ones and uh, well our big ones as well if you've got a big dog yep um and your obviously love and care of them is at the forefront of everything that you do it's Dr Sophie Bell hi hi Sophie. hello <laughs> so do you, do you go by doctor all the time or just Sophie <laughs> at the weekends yeah. Yeah. Doctor. <laughs> it depends what mood I'm in actually <laughs> if, you, if your kids have been naughty yeah then it's doctor for yes. sure and yeah. when they're good then it's mummy yeah. <laughs> so it's so nice to talk to you anyway Sophie thanks Thank so you. much for joining me now first off tell me how your career started because you're one of the only vets I think that's actually a groomer as well <laughs> A funny old mix of things, hey. So I qualified as a vet in 2009. And um, then I think it was around 2014 that I qualified as a dog groomer. I, you know, I got asked this question actually the other day. Why did you do dog grooming? And it was for various reasons. I kind of like the idea of variety. Mm. So a bit of variety to my life rather than just all the same. Because being a vet is very hard. It's very easy to yeah, get burnt out. Yeah, yeah, but then I also realised that being a groomer is also just as challenging. So there is no easy, there's no easy job working with animals. I think it's all a challenge, but it was a different challenge and it was, it was refreshing. So, yeah. you know, doing a couple of night shifts, dealing with road traffic accidents and then coming back and, you know, perhaps like doing a nice, for me, I was never, never amazing, like stylist or anything. And where I live, fortunately, it was a lot of kind of, easy going what I cast as easy going sort of clip off spaniels and but I actually found it quite relaxing I was going to say though surely from what you said dealing with an RTA you know emergency situation that's like high intensity to then you know having a spaniel and just you know as long as they were nice (laughs) yeah yeah if they were well behaved but that you know that must have been a bit of a zen time for you Actually, you know, it was. And the other thing I really loved was hand stripping. That was probably my forte. Mm -hmm. So I used to get a lot of dogs in for hand stripping. And I used to love it. I'd just put the radio on, um, you know, and chat away and probably, you know, occasionally break out into dance. The dog would be, (laughs) what is she doing? But I got to actually make a bit of a bond with a dog rather than maybe just seeing it for either a 15 minute consultation or when it's barely conscious because it's so unwell. And I just feel sometimes as a vet, you don't always actually get to work with animals like, you know, in a, in a, I'm not saying, don't get me wrong. Dog grooming is definitely not all about, you know, kissing puppies all day. Definitely not. It's back breaking. It's hard work. It's challenging. 
but it just gave me a different dynamic yeah which I wanted a different way of working with animals. I totally get that because obviously I know when my dogs go to the vets they're like pneumatic drills they're not happy to be there no I know and that's the other thing but then I guess so you're seeing you're seeing owners and dogs almost at their worst being a vet aren't you all the time yeah this is true and sometimes you know and I and and again I mean I was quite lucky when I went to the groomer because most of the dogs were pretty happy to you know to be groomed and we had a you know we had this nice kind of bond yeah I saw lots and lots of spaniels or lots for hand stripping they were the kind of two things I ended up doing mainly but it was just it was really it was just really nice um and I also did alongside at that point I did try my hand in doing a bit of professional dog walking I was, I was just about to try. say though like on the scale of like dog happiness levels that's like the pinnacle a dog walker yeah you're getting you're getting the dogs at the yes. best aren't you yeah and they and they're enjoying themselves and, and you it's know, all about the joy yeah about but again you know like anything working with animals it's a lot of um you know responsibility you know, this is mm. someone's baby and it doesn't matter if you're like saving their life or you're you're grooming them you know it, you've got all that responsibility yeah definitely it, it is and yeah but you know you're so qualified I mean what what better no, what better groomer to go to than a vet like well I am like the jack of all trades you're like a one-stop shop aren't you <laughs> I know what do you want next like I, I may as well just uh, you know, go yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you I need to become like a physio and a hydrotherapist yeah. and just open up the end of one stop No, I just, you know, actually really enjoyed it. I missed the dog grooming. I just, to be honest with you, the reason why I didn't continue was children, having three children and um, it being really difficult. So what I did was I ended up doing, going back to a lot of my night work again, because it meant that I could raise these three children. Yeah and work because during the day you know whether it'd been a vet or working as a groomer by the time I paid for childcare for all three children mm. I would be left with nothing so it was sort of defeated the object and mm. I couldn't do it so it was sort of you know what can I do well I need to work at night yeah yeah gosh and um, I have to say though I've obviously been in and out of the vets you, you know you feel like you go through those cycles in life where you've not been to the vets for months and months and months on end and then you yeah. have like two months solid where you feel like you're on the doorstep every day that's how I feel at the moment with my cat and my dog and everything oh I just I'm always there and one thing obviously they're doing consultations outside at the moment so gosh they're up and down those steps like a frog in a pump you know <laughs> <laughs> I could no wonder vets get burnt out though I, honestly yeah it's hard at the moment the veterinary industry is in a in a bad place at the moment in terms of we are probably running at about a, you know maybe a third of the staff that that we actually that's need. required so, yeah. yeah we're like two-thirds down and <gasps> um, for multiple wow. reasons you know and uh, lots of things covid brexit all these things have played a role now and wow we just don't have enough enough staff so what it used to be like is you could ring and probably get an appointment that day and now it's almost becoming like a doctor's surgery where you're told well how serious is this can you wait for like three days you know and it's really hard like vaccines and preventative Mm. treatments are now being put off for like weeks on end to the last available you know time they can be done because there's just no there's just no time there's not enough spaces well, my vets just looked shattered. They're quite a big practice. And, you know, honestly, they were working so... I couldn't believe it. And also, it needs to be highlighted as well in the veterinary industry. I think because of the pressures on them for their job and obviously how busy them, there's obviously... There's a lot of, you know, mental health issues, isn't there, within the profession? 
oh, the suicide rate in the veterinary world has gone up. Horrible, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really bad. Um, it's really worrying. You know, obviously we have our own kind of counselling service, VetLife, that we can mm. turn to. Oh, that's good, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is great. And that's, that's all... Um, been kind of like charity organized and lots of work very hard to to run that but even they are being inundated with a lot of calls because now it's it's almost like the world has changed like before if if you were upset about something or worried about something you'd maybe approach that person and talk to them now it's almost like well we won't talk we'll just escalate our our complaint higher and people don't always realize how much of an impact that has on somebody that maybe they said something that didn't mean to come across that way or I think um, I heard Noel Fitzpatrick on one of his podcasts or interviews. I think, uh, no, he was, he did a really good interview actually with Chris Evans on Chris Evans's podcast, How to Wow. Uh, Noel Fitzpatrick, it was like two hours long. It was really long, but it was really, really interesting. And he said that he had a few things like that happen to him. And he said, when it gets escalated like that to, you know, the Royal College, the amount of stress that that puts you under it's oh it's terrible just, it's awful it's a bit of a yeah, and, and obviously now that's kind of how people see it you know they're angry and it can be for multiple reasons that they can be angry for something really simple mm. or perhaps you know they weren't like a euthanasia for example perhaps it just didn't go well now the pressure when you're doing euthanasia as a vet because you want it to be as peaceful and as lovely as you possibly can be and even now working in this industry for like 12 years you know, 13 years, I can't add up. Yes, 12 <laughs> years. And, <laughs> um, you know, when I know I've got to put a dog to sleep, it, I never stop getting those little bit of nerves in my tummy of, I want this to be really peaceful. And like um, anything in this world, some things don't always go to plan. And that is the worst thing ever. And almost you feel out of control if perhaps, you know, an IV doesn't go in well or, you know, something happens anyway. Or the dog and then the animal gets distressed. Yeah, They do. And they're so upset. And instead of like, you know, maybe sitting down together and chatting it through and, and saying, you know, it is it it wasn't nice that last, you know, 30 seconds, perhaps a dog screamed with the medication or something oh, like that. And yeah. we all feel it and no one wants that. But the thing is, they won't, a lot of people don't do that now. They just go, right, I'm going to get that vet struck off. I'm going to Royal College. And you're like, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. Like, I yeah. I actually think about it as well. I actually really care more than what you do. Of course you do. You can't do this job unless you no. care. Like, oh, because why would you? Why no, would you? I know. As many a night shift that I've driven home where I think I've just cried from the end of my shift all the way home. And I work usually about an hour and a half from home at a big hospital. Okay. So I want to do a special on this record for elderly dogs because, you know, there's little sort of out there about how to care for them, what it's like yeah. to live with them. And um, and obviously we know so much about, there's so much out there, isn't there, on puppies and how to care for puppies, but not so much on elderly dogs. I know that you're bringing out soon, aren't you, a special course for pet owners and professionals on, uh, what's it called, senior and success with seniors so yeah really focusing on what you might expect to see and what things may well be normal so things like Hmm. cloudy look to the eye why won't you see a cloudy look to the eye or changes in hearing simple things like your dog's hearing deteriorates over time so when they get older when they used to respond to your higher pitch voice they can't hear those tones anymore and you need to make your voice deeper for them to be able to respond to you Mm -hmm. lots of things about how can you work with them and how do you know when maybe night vision is going to actually you need to leave a lamp on for them at night because it's really distressing for them because they suddenly don't have very good night vision how mm-hmm. to recognize it and how to work with them so that they don't feel distressed or uncomfortable and that's and of course it's all the diseases that 
we commonly see and all the sort of things, you know, telltale signs that there's a problem. You know, the hearing thing in particular, I hear a lot of people say when the dog's old, they've got selective hearing. But in actual fact, it's probably the tones that you're calling them at. So if you're calling them at like a high pitched tone and then you're, you know, you're then going deeper, like, you know, come on sort of thing for not listening, for instance, then that's probably why they're, you know, they think they've got selective hearing. 100% literally did that test on my friend's dog the other day so she was like oh you know Fozzie's hearing isn't very good like and and I said to her just call her you know get her to come over and she did her usual voice and then I said now do it in a deep voice and her dog straight away is pricked up and was like oh hello what do you want from me and she was like oh my goodness I was like it's just your tone some dogs will lose that they just can't hear those higher pitched tones that's fascinating I had no idea Sophie about that well these Um, are sort of things I like to to talk about like in these teachings because it helps mm. people to kind of realize yeah. how our dogs change and how it can be normal yeah that's amazing now what other things do we tend to see obviously we talked about the eyes um yeah and obviously the hearing then you get lots of things like uh, well arthritis big one I think as well what's really important to note with senior dogs I don't think people always think about is that based on the size of the dog they age at different times so yeah you know if we all stood here now with the St Bernard who was six years old Oh, we would yes. start to class him as senior. If we had a six-year-old Chihuahua, we would say it's just just an prime. animal. It's prime. Yeah, yeah, it's prime. Absolutely. And I think we don't really think about that sometimes. And I mean, people that have large breed dogs, yes, maybe they they do sort of appreciate that that's a good age. But other people in general, this is again when I work with other professionals to say to them, you know, when you are grooming a dog that is a mm. six-year-old Newfoundland, just think of them as a, an old dog. They're elderly. They're senior at that point. So they probably are a bit arthritic and a bit sore when you move them around yeah. and their vision might be poorer and their hearing might not be as good because they are senior. And even though six seems like no age at all, for some dogs, it is. They've hit their old age. Yeah. Whereas a border terrier, you know, oh, they they're going forever. Yeah, they're like a, a, a sort of a young adult, I guess. And, yeah. and so, yeah, absolutely. They all mature at, at different times. I think that's important. But arthritis, definitely, I, I mm. see a lot of that. And what I think is a shame is what a lot of people tend to do is focus on arthritis when it's there and it's present and they can see it and the dog is stiff and they're struggling Mm. to move around. What they don't do is maybe think about their dog's joints throughout their lifetime to stop them getting to that point. Yeah, true. Like preventative care. Totally. Like, you know, oh, let's supplement the dog now with omega threes and sixes because it can lubricate the joints. Let's add in all these things. But why not give omega three and six throughout their lifetime? Why not like try and give all the good things to stop the problem you know and 100% that's you know, that's great advice yeah. yeah we don't though do we we kind of think you know and there are young active dog supplements that you can give you know what my mum's always made me take a cod liver uh, cod liver oil tablet every day <laughs> see you're always. gonna have like the, you're gonna have the joints of like a I'm gonna do the splits at 90 <laughs> yeah you will see this is the thing there's truth in it I like your mum she has good advice <laughs> And also, like you were talking about the joints and obviously the age thing, but also do you not see an epidemic with overweight dogs at the moment? Yes, very much. And I think this is part of the problem is because we also forget that as dogs age as well, like I know we see we see obesity at all ages of dogs, but as they get older, their metabolism slows down and they don't need so much 
they don't usually have so much exercise necessarily mm-hmm. and but we still continue to feed the same calories i mean what are we doing you know we've got to realize that calories in if they're not being burnt our dogs are going to get fat and that's going to put a, a strain on the heart and the joints and all sorts mm. lots of overweight dogs at the moment I, I yes and I think we really need to address that as a nation and think about you yeah, know yeah I think we do because I see so so many of my clients dogs as well that have yeah. been really fit you know good looking dogs yeah and looking porky and oh (laughs) you know and they're struggling to stand up on the table they've become lazy and they've lost that like chutzpah you know that pizzazz yeah absolutely and and I just I always worry about saying something because I've said stuff to people before and it's gone down like you know a lead balloon yeah yeah well uh, you know (laughs) I remember telling my friends not long ago Mm your dog's fat. Like, I did sort of say it like quite bluntly. Okay. And they actually replied to me and said, no, it's all muscle. And our vet confirmed that. And I was like, oh, I don't believe, I don't believe that. And actually, hang on a minute. This is your friend. She is a vet too. And I can tell you, I can actually put four glasses on his back where his back is like a tray because he's oh, so no. massive. He's only two years old. He's a spaniel. He should be, in fact, we've got a spaniel of a similar age who, is you know really um sort of fit and active and, and that's how I was like sort of looking at my dog and looking at theirs and thinking whoa there's a massive difference in weight here and that's not good so I was but, trying to help them actually yeah. so we taught, taught them through it but no they just don't weigh accept it. it's all muscle that's what I tell myself <laughs> but over time as well you know you're saying about not giving them the omega oils that they need but also that added pressure on their joints and things over the years yeah Absolutely. And I think also, you know, I I work quite closely uh, with a physiotherapist and she's she's brilliant. And she said one of the other things that we fail to do as owners throughout our dogs lives is think about warming them up and warming them down. So especially if we have very active dogs, you know, we'll just go out Mm. and they'll start Mm. running around like lunatics, like, you know, for the moment we leave the house. Mm. And a very athletic dog, you know, if you had an agility dog, you know, you'd be taught certain exercises. You'd be encouraged to slowly stretch yeah. and warm your dog up. Mm-hmm. But the everyday pet owner won't necessarily do that. And that's a shame. I think the simple exercises would really help to prevent the problems. Yeah, that's a really good point. I actually had a few sessions of McTimony with my Doberman. Yeah. Um, which was fascinating. Yeah. And it was yeah. just as she started getting older, her gait changed and she started walking like slightly off to the side. Yeah. So I obviously recognised there was something, you know, not quite right, but I didn't know what, you know, I'm a groomer. <laughs> so, hey, I went and had this, so when I had this McTimony session, a few sessions with this lady and it was a problem with the spine, but obviously if that had gone unnoticed or left yeah. over time, you know, because she was getting on anyway, that would have caused added pressure in her spine and would have, you know, probably led to, you know, repercussions. You know, if you've got a problem in the vertebrae, then you get repercussions down the legs yeah. and things, don't wouldn't you? And Absolutely. And I think, you know, we just have to really pay attention to our dog's joints all the way throughout their lifetime because, you know, they rely on them and they, they you know, it's important. And I, uh, this is saying this, um, it's just purely because I had a spaniel who I lost last year. He got to 12 years old, but at age two, he was pretty much crippled with arthritis at age two. And, you know, I had to deal with him for 10 years. I didn't want to start all the medication straight away. Cause I was like, he's got, you know, he's got years ahead of him, hopefully. Mm. 
So I use a whole balanced approach. I use hydrotherapy, physiotherapy, acupuncture, various supplements, you know, you name it, we did it. Um, and it wasn't really until he hit about nine that, you know, he was on a cocktail of drugs and needed to be on them every day. But we did, wow. you know, we did really well. As well. Is it called panosteitis or something? Pa- he something had, called? no, well, actually he had a mixture. He had very early onset thrombolosis, um, yeah. yeah, which was very kind of early onset. And then he had quite a lot of arthritis around an elbow joint that I think just hadn't, it had a, like a fragment of bone inside the joint, which we discussed removing it. But actually they were like, the joint's going to be arthritic regardless. So we didn't, mm-hmm. but I don't know, we managed him. <clears throat> and But it taught me a lot of lessons. It taught me how I had to change the house and the way I was, you know, ramps, getting in and out of the car, mm-hmm. trying not to let him jump up on too many surfaces, using yoga mats on the floor to stop him from slipping you know, all sorts of things. He used to wear socks in the house, actually, like grippy socks to stop him. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Anything so I didn't aggravate his body and make him worse. Because obviously that's something that's going to haunt him all his life. And I know we're obviously yeah. we're talking about elderly dogs here, but this is why it's so important that if people are going to breed responsible breeding and doing the hip and elbow scoring is just, but not just, you know, because I have some, pet owners that will say to me oh the dog's been hip and elbow scored but I'll say but what was the score yeah yeah because it's all right the breeder's saying but you need to understand how to read that score and ask them for the results you know so that they know that they're breeding from stock where this sort of thing yeah. isn't going to happen absolutely I mean he definitely didn't have the best hips I mean I, I ruined about 13 13 14 years ago then when I had him but like when I first got him and I guess then I don't think there was so much of an emphasis at that point about testing dogs before breeding from them. No. I think now we really do. And that's a, that's a good thing. You know, we should be, you know, definitely promoting responsible breeding for sure. You know, it's, it's very important. We don't want, who wants to pass these things on, you know, and, and pass these illnesses on? Like no one, no, no one wants to see a dog in pain when it's unnecessary. And that's it. And a lot of them can be so easily avoided, not just this. I mean, yeah. you, you know, as well as I'm, there's many that can be easily avoided through, you know, health testing, blood testing, responsible breeding. I know. But unfortunately now with what's happened with the sales of puppies and things like that, you're going to have people popping up all over because they see it as a quick buck what they don't understand is when things go wrong (laughs) which as you know if you get into a situation where something happens like a dog needing a cesarean it's not cheap so people always think they're going to like make lots of money from breeding but actually a lot of the time if it's done properly yeah responsible breeding you should never money should never be in the forefront of your brain it shouldn't even be thought about no because you know that's when it becomes a bit icky for me absolutely and most of the time I think you sort of either break even or make a little bit but by the time you put in all that time if you actually equated your time to say if they needed any health care or cesarean or anything like that yeah you can't think you're going to come out a rich person exactly definitely not I know you know when you're having litter you've got to you you've got to take time off work you know a lot of time yeah. off work you know so yeah. yeah and do night shifts and all sorts like yeah, I know. Them. it's exhausting yeah exhausting you know you don't People, but people don't look at it like that. And I suppose it's the irresponsible breeders that actually probably they, you know, as awful as it sounds, would just allow a dog to, they, they wouldn't take a dog for a cesarean necessarily. They just no. let it be what it is. And that's awful to think about, but it's true. And that's mm-hmm. the sad, that's the sad fact, but it happens. And I know that happens. Yeah. I, um, I was watching an episode of 
something or other sorry mum brain <laughs> ultra tired mum brain um I was watching something or other on the telly thing and um there was a French bulldog there that had just been dumped by the breeder because it had health issues they weren't interested so it was just dumped at the vet store you know it's so awful it's so awful I remember working in clinic and I had um a collie brought to me and the owner was demanding oxytocin for this dog who you could see had been in labor for a long time she was going to be weak she had a lot of discharge from her back end it looked like she had some sort of womb infection or something going on at the same time she was very poorly so explained to them we need to do an emergency c-section we need to treat this mum and they picked this dog up and they said it's okay we'll take her home we'll just finish her off with spade we're not going to spend out on her and they left it's okay I did report them and the dog did get seized but you just, you know, it was like, what can I do? And apart from that, I had to call another vet in with me at the time. I hadn't been qualified for that long. This is a long time ago now. But I had to call in. So you're thinking, oh, crap. Well, they were so threatening. I've not, yeah, I've not come across this situation before. Yeah, and they were aggressive too. Like they were, it was, yeah. it was two guys. Oh, my goodness. And they were really aggressive. Unfortunately, you know, it sounds oh, it makes me. it makes me feel sick, Sophie. It's horrible. And they just didn't care at all. They just were like, oh, that's right. She had one puppy, but the foot, it didn't have a foot. So they didn't want it, but they equally didn't want to pay to have it euthanized. So he said, oh, I'll just chuck that one on the, you know, bonfire or whatever it was at the time. And I was like, no, you won't. We'll, we'll do that one for free. Like, there's no way like, it's going to do this. And then, yeah, and then just literally took the bitch out of the door and, and was like, you know, this thing is we're powerless sometimes as vets. So all we can then do is then report that. But we can't seize animals. You're literally like. Yeah. trying to talk them about you know I was there like we'll do it for free I don't care like you should be I'm sorry but you should have the power to be able to seize an animal I know it's awful really and really I remember should. yeah and they were so aggressive maybe that's maybe that's going to be the next thing that comes in yeah because if you guys come across something even like where you suspect an animal's been stolen you're not allowed to seize that animal not allowed to seize that. further checks you no, know that I'm, seems a bit crazy I can't even euthanize a dog without an owner's permission, as in even if I know that dog is suffering immensely. I have no power. I could team up with another two vets and we could then take video footage, photos. But sometimes if you're on a night shift, for example, you are the only vet. Yeah, you're the only one one person. You can't make the decision. So if I had a dog that was fitting and fitting and fitting and I was struggling to to like stop that, but the owner didn't believe in euthanasia, I'm in a really sticky position. And I, and I could I could be the one that ends up losing my job. But how heartbreaking for you, Sophie, watching the suffering. Horrible. Watching Horrible. It's, it's not I, the ones that has happened either. I've got a cat who was diabetic. She's old. Yeah. An elderly cat. And now she's not. That's the um, great thing about cats. They can, they can, check, they can become non-diet dogs. Can't unfortunately. But, yeah, but, but she she went hyper. Is it hyper? Because she was. I was obviously giving her insulin, and all of a sudden. She wasn't diabetic anymore, just like that, like a switch. And she had the most awful fit I've ever seen. Oh my gosh. She oh, was so spinning. hypo. Yeah, so was low it blood sugar. Would it, would it be low? Okay. And then I'm obviously giving her her insulin. And then she had the most awful fit. And I thought something was wrong with her. She came to see me in the garden. I think yeah. she was like, Mum, Mum. And then I thought, yeah. what's wrong with the cat? And I thought, this is weird. So I got my phone out to record because obviously I know the vet always loves the video. Yeah to video her like she's doing something weird and then and then I must have just thrown my phone and then she was just spinning on a site it was just the most traumatic thing I've ever seen horrible. So it's I'm, horrible I can't imagine how it would be for you seeing that 
her going over and over again. You know, I managed to I managed to put her on my knee um, and drive her to the vets on my knee. Luckily, my vets is two streets away. I think that's good. But anyway, after lots of money and everything for my geriatric cat, turns out she's not diabetic anymore. It's really weird. They can they can go into remission in cats. So they're type yeah. two diabetes is really normally what cats are like, like people to type two di- diabetics. Dogs tend to be type one. So once they are diagnosed oh, with okay. diabetes, they're always diabetic. Right, okay. cats can go into remission. If ever you had that before, again, but I think it would have been dietary because I changed her onto a high protein diet, and I think that yeah. I've managed to control her diabetes with the diet. But then, obviously, you can't test them like you can people, you know. So you just she was on you the lowest dose. Of, you oh no, she had to... she had a scanner on afterwards, yes. which is amazing, and I had an app on my phone. Yeah, and so obviously, when we weren't sure what was going on with her, she had the scanner on her. Um, I had an app on my phone and I'd just go and like beep her like a checkout, bing, over the cat. And it would just monitor her glucose all the time. And so we kept that on for two weeks and then we realised, yeah, she doesn't need it. And then obviously... Amazing. It's amazing that you can can do those now. It's really good. If you ever had that again, though, if ever she went low, Mm. I always get all the owners to put lots of honey or or jam on the gums and that tends to sort of push the sugar up quite quickly Mm. and ease up a bit. But but my my dad had two diabetic cats so he's like he's like the cat oracles and he said the same thing to me he's like yeah honey yeah stick some honey in the mouth things like that yeah usually works but at the time if you don't know that you're not going to start googling those things you're just going to get in the car and and make the journey aren't you and and I, I, I couldn't eat I was absolutely I could have never been a vet Sophie I was pathetic I couldn't even unlock my phone. My hands were shaking so much. It was like flying out of my hands. It was like something off a sketch show, you know, like it was covered in like soap. I was like, oh. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I'm absolutely pathetic with my own animals. Like, well, that's, I think maybe that's it because yeah, whenever, yeah it's, whenever it's, it's I've had anything with somebody else's dog, I feel like I'm a little bit more together. <laughs> oh, I'm terrible with my own animals. And also one of my dogs like coughs or something. I'm like, oh my goodness, he must have cancer. Oh, he's never going to survive the night. He must have an internal bleed. Like, and it's literally like, he just sort of, did a cough you, you, I'm, 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 to be honest I'm, you've seen too much though you've oh seen too much. I do like it's never simple you know never like a, like a, if it was someone else's dog I'd be like chill out it's just gonna be this don't worry it's all okay <laughs> my own dogs you know they're gonna be dead by the morning because I've lost like you know lost my head How and it's, it's, yeah <laughs> at least I'm not like that in my professional life otherwise that would be uh pretty awful she's like the doom and gloom and like crazy one that just keeps breaking down everybody like, okay I'm all right I'm quite chilled I know it must be tough for Betsy when you see I mean we'll discuss a bit about euthanasia in a minute but yeah that's a rough, rough end of the the job. yeah it is it is now, as our dogs obviously enter the twilight years, is there anything that we can sort of do at home to help them? Like you talked about ramps. That's a really good thing for cars. Yeah, definitely. And, and also one other thing we don't think about, and I, and I notice it a lot more because I think our dogs are living longer lives, is dementia. Canine dementia. Oh, yeah. Well, my Toby yeah. got doggy. We call her doggy dementia. Yeah. She, yeah. Got, she got dementia. Yeah, it's horrible. She started doing this crazy dog bark, which is like a bark that you don't have from a normal dog. And, like, yeah. you know, that's how it sort of started. Um, yeah, being quite confused. Sometimes they can't remember if they've eaten or not. 
their behavior can be a bit odd and it's actually quite distressing for them they can especially at night time sometimes they tend to be a little bit more she was worse at night 100% and do you know what you were saying about the lamp thing and now I feel bad because I never left a lamp on for her You, you don't always think of these things I mean there are so some nice things to do with dogs that have dementia is um a nighttime treat of porridge oats made with chamomile tea and it's actually we're using it more and it sounds like a kind of crazy thing but there's quite a lot of very professionals that actually get owners to use this and find it really and also if you add in a sprinkling of um blueberries because they are like the super antioxidant food as well it's actually quite a nice little added treat you know you can do that on top of their normal their normal meals but you can just make a small amount um and a lot of dogs are very calm after they've had that and seem to go through the night better yeah they do and there's loads of supplements out there i think it's um, like a, a horlicks before bed for a dog it is exactly and actually it's funny because i remember reading a vet forum not long ago and we were saying what could we use as nutrimind is quite a good one activate there's lots of different products like mm. you know they're all very similar this is kind of naming a couple of them but you know then a couple of vets even said i, I tried the whole like you know porridge and chamomile tea and the owners were like it's really helped it's an easy thing to try and it's a really good thing to keep bear in mind as well to tell you know customers if you're a dog walker or groomer and things like that yeah. and, and the house yeah. of the dogs getting more confused that's a great tip absolutely and also definitely with blueberries and raspberries they are literally like superfoods in dogs and good for their brain um and actually yeah and also the other and to give when they're younger again you know, think about their brains when they're younger and also that's why a dog's life shouldn't just be all focused on physical exercise, mental exercise too. And even when they have got dementia, mm. trying to encourage them to find a treat or to, because it's, it, it helps kind of preserve those, those brain cells. That yeah. And also but, you do see people peter off with the enthusiasm towards the dogs, don't they? As They do. They whereas do. training and games and things like that are involved. You know, we do so much with them when they're young, but yeah. And we stop when they get older or maybe we get another dog who's younger. And I was saying this to my friend the other day and she's like, I'm going to make much more effort now to play, to play yeah. some games with the older dog. And even she said, you know, she was really engaged and because she can't walk as far oh now. God, but she found I it absolutely really love fun. an old dog. Me too. It's breaking my heart. This. Oh, me too. When my kids have, when, when my kids have flown the nest, this is going to be quite a few years. And I, you know, retired. I would love to just basically take on old dogs all the old dogs yeah yeah I really would and just nurture them through the the last few you know years of their life because they are they're they're amazing and oh that's the other thing that's quite nice for an old dog or again any age but definitely if you don't add it and you have got an old dog it's a good old probiotic again Mm. it's just good for gut and brain and everything just everything you know it's sort of really just gives makes them feel better amazing shape there's, there's so many things actually. I'm going to up my feeding game with because uh, I've got an old girl now in the house and um, although she's not slowing down because she's a miniature poodle so we say old she's 11 she's not really is she because she's a poodle <laughs> this is what she's, we say we've got two she's got, the, yeah. <laughs> she's got all her teeth to lose first <laughs> I know it's funny isn't it because they, they all like become that. a bit gummy when they get old they do they do <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a shame when they get old, though. But definitely things like their night vision can worsen. Um, mm. And, yeah, dementia, arthritis, problems with hearing. Heart problems become more common. So it could be they've had a nice, bit healthy heart. But over time, it's degenerative heart disease. You know, things just start to degenerate. Changes in their coat. Mm. Some dogs might start shedding a lot more. Others might have 
a denser undercoat. They, just don't, they, don't, they don't grow as much either, do they? Because I think sometimes no. their body's like, nah, the hair, not as much effort into that. Totally. That's exactly it. Like they need the nutrition in other places, like looking after other parts of the body that, you know, that need yeah. that needs the heart. And so the hair becomes almost like, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll give you a bit, but I can't give you <laughs> no. You're not going to have those luscious locks you once had. No, no, but I suddenly think about it. It's, it's, it's kind of like people, I guess, that, that thin with their hair. Oh my God, age. it's not, is it? Well, I'll we'll catch up again. We can, we can have, yeah, we can have hair extensions though, can't we? This or is maybe very true. If things get true. really bad, we can wear wigs. Yes, this is very true. <laughs> Fortunately, I think hopefully the dogs, um, the dogs don't care, do they? <laughs> I don't think they mind. No, they're just a bit. And, yeah. Maybe just put a coat on them or a jumper. Yeah, because they might be a bit chillier. Yeah, yes, that's true as well. I think, yeah, definitely. Oh, and that's another thing you might notice with old dogs is they pant. They can often pant quite a lot more. Again, things like the lungs are not so as uh, not as elasticate, like sort of elasticated. Oh, okay. Yeah. The someone can be a bit like fibrous, so they might pant more. And also, I think arthritis and, and that it will cause them to pant more. So I think that's always a tell. Like a pain thing. scale? You mean like a pain panting rather than yeah. lack, of, lack of oxygen, like, you know, lack of lung capacity? Yeah, yeah. So definitely, can either if you don't think they're in pain, they could just be more panty because you know a bit more the lungs aren't as aren't working as nicely as when they were fit and young. But then equally, again, if you notice the dog is panting a lot more in the evenings, and it's that's one I think. And they might be sort of licking their joints, they might be licking their paws, yes. things like this. They're sort of telltale signs as well. Even if there isn't, yeah. you know, sometimes they get a bit swollen around the joints, don't they? But before yeah. that, you might notice more of the. The the, or, yeah. well, it, all dogs are so different because my collie's quite arthritic she does a lot of licking but not so much of the panting mm. but then my springer who i don't have anymore um who i lost last year he used to do a lot of the panting a lot especially at night time always really kind of just seeming a little bit unsettled eventually he would settle but it was yeah. always a little thing he would do each evening when my uh when my dobie got old it's like her her feet sort of check you know she lived till she was 13 and a half that's good age yeah for a big dog she was a big yeah. girl as well um but her feet she was obviously get arthritic as you know any 13 and a half year old large breed would get but it's like a feet sort of change shaped as well you know yeah and that was a do. telltale sign they came a bit knobbly and gnarly yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. They do. And you get sort of bony growth changes of the toes are arthritic. Then they weight bear in different ways. That's what we Yeah, she would turn on the outside of a on a the outside of a feet rather than obviously planting in the middle. She started to change her gait the way she yeah. walked. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And those are little things people should look out for is that, you know, then you'll find the nails won't wear down equally. And also nails seem to grow a lot more when a dog is, is older and they're more inclined to grow like in and then nails. more than ever they need to have short nails 100 percent. yeah they do and the other thing is, is that you'll find that dogs won't necessarily groom themselves as much so they'll get a lot more dandruff and the coat will come sort of you know look not as nice and shiny and there's so many things and there's so many things yeah. you can do as well and um, to make the life of an older dog better and also about spot early changes like you know suddenly they're having accidents in the house because they're drinking mm-hmm. too much they're telltale signs of things like Cushing's disease and diabetes 100% that's a great idea always monitor your water bowl because yeah the heavily drinking is linked to so many things isn't it 100% and get a, become a dab hander with getting a urine sample I get people to ask me like ask me all the time how do I catch one get a long I use a baking tray 
Do you? That's a good idea. I use a I just like with the corner of a baking tray. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah, um, it's quite wide. You know, because they're quite low to the ground, and it's quite big space. So I just put the corner, bing, straight underneath them. Yeah. They squat. <laughs> it's, it's decantering it out of the large baking tray that's the problem. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And making sure, because I've had this once before where someone put it into a jam jar, but they hadn't washed it like very well the jar so then obviously uh-huh, getting, like yeah. sugar in the urine going uh, is your dog diabetic and then the blood jabs, jabs. Okay. So, yeah it was it was like okay so just make sure you always clean them for thoroughly because otherwise it's not that we're just going to diagnose it mm. from that alone but you know it sends you up the garden path but definitely i mean i say i use a long-handed ladle i find that quite good especially if you've not That's got like idea, yeah. you've got a bad back or something and you just can't get ladle, <laughs> I'm just envisaging you trying to catch your dog's pee with a ladle in your hand. Oh, what, what our neighbours must think of us dog owners? Yeah, no, absolutely crazy. <laughs> one thing I, uh, one thing that I do is, you know, when you just pop into your doctor's surgery, you've got an appointment. They normally have on the reception the pee pots. Oh yeah, yeah. So you, if you've got a dog, you've probably at home got a medical cupboard. I do full of you know metacam and all the things that you collect with having dogs time. <laughs> over time. Yeah, some old eye drops and things like that. Um, so I always keep one or two of those in there just in case, you know, because it's always very last minute when they say pee sample. We need yes, we'll see your dog if you can bring a pee sample in. So it's always yes. good to be prepared with one in your cupboards. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. And you know that they're nice and clean and they're not going to be contaminated with old jam. So at least then like, you get a proper <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, it's a good failing idea. Failing that Tupperware. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just don't use it after. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, I think that a lot of groomers listen to this. Have you got any quick top tips for groomers, how they can maybe help an elderly dog that's into their care in the grooming salon? Yeah, I think definitely thinking about the changes of the dog so the vision might not be as good. And just remembering that they're probably going to want you to be to talk to them more and maybe be a bit more hands on. Um, that's one thing I would in say. A, in a low voice. In a low voice, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and definitely just being really wary of the fact that they could be arthritic and therefore, you know, even almost warning owners too that, Remember grooming, we do move limbs around into different positions to mm. be able to cut bits of hair or maybe clip a hygiene area or mm. something like that. So we just got to be mindful of that and take the movement slow and maybe just sort of say to an owner that a bit like us, if we'd been moved around, had our arms and legs and we were arthritic, we'd probably feel a little bit stiff for a few hours after. And, oh, yeah. You know, just to sort of tell an owner that, you know, it's not not necessarily like an alarming thing, but I mean, they might just be, you know, want a bit of a rest or go for, mm. maybe go for a light walk. I always say this as well, screamers with elderly dogs, get the owner to take them for maybe a, a 10, 15 minute lead walk before the groom because it will warm the legs up rather than, the dog's been sleeping on its bed. He gets put into the boot of the car and then put straight on your groom. The next table. thing is, it, it, yeah, it's in the bath. Yeah, it's That's just a really good time yeah. to stretch mm-hmm. out and definitely more water and wee breaks because they tend to need them. Morning mm-hmm. um, owners of coat changes, like finer coats, and that they, you know we might see something different. Oh, and yeah, we might see lots of lumps and bumps as well at this. Oh point. yeah, yeah. Get your phone out and your video. You know, like definitely get your phone out and take pictures or you know your camera out and make sure you make a mm-hmm. note of them. Um, I uh, I have um, you probably have them in the veterinary profession. Those cards, you know, that's got the dog upside down. That you know, like a you know, like those you know a lion rug you know where it's laid oh yes yeah, yeah, a yeah. diagram like that both sides of the dog and I'll do like a wharton lump yeah yeah that's a good idea and then I know you know when next time they come 
And I always sort of grade them on fruits and vegetables. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually. So I'm like, oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's the size of a chickpea today. <laughs> and now oh, it's but, a but next time, now it's a broad bean. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's such a good idea. And be, being wary that also, like, elderly dogs do tend to get a lot more warts. And just having a good feel over the dog before you start getting, say, a pair of clippers on there. Because, mm. yeah, you know, it's not your fault if you catch one. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just part but of They've got a keen blood supply of warts, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, they have. Exactly. So, and yeah, you do, you, I reckon have a good old feel across their body. And remember, I think as groomers, and I say this every time, one, one person or one profession that usually gets their hands all over every part of that dog is a groomer. More so than sometimes an owner won't even rub their hands all over every single bit, like the legs and everything. But it's, it's also it's the, the the chance we have to dry them. You know, you're parting all that skin, aren't you? Hundred percent. Yeah. Hair, sorry. You know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and you might see things like um, dogs can get blackheads. They can get if they get changes in the pigment of their coat. There could be things like thyroid problems, Cushing's mm. disease. Take pictures, report it back because you might actually be the first person to notice it. And again, and again, I know you can't go back and say, oh, I think your dog has hypothyroidism because he has blah, 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 blah. What you can do is say, I've noticed this on the skin and yeah. I just think it's worth a, worth a check. And at least you've done your best then. Taking photos is 100%. Everybody should be taking photos of everything. Oh, That's yes. what I think. Even yes. if it's just to show the owners, but also to cover you back. I take photos of everything I see. So, you know, even when I'm with my girlfriends and I'll be like, oh, look at this photo of, you know, whatever. And then yeah. I'll be like, oh, sorry, that's just a disgusting ear infection. Just, uh, you know, <laughs> and it's like, that's that's my camera reel. <laughs> no, it's such, it's such a good idea, I think. Um, and also, yeah, because you're, you come across saying about warts in old dogs, hyperkeratosis as well. So like the thickening on their feet. So like crack yeah, it's like mossy, mossy pants, I call it. Yeah. Yeah, you're that's using a good the professional way it, yeah. term, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also like calluses on their elbows and you're going to see all of, you know, and it, for most of the things you've probably seen before, but if you haven't, it's like not to be alarmed if you come across these things and you're like, oh, that's a bit of a, an odd thing to, to find. But like you say, I think 100% the pictures, you need to have that there, especially if, you know, someone tries to then suddenly blame you when well, it wasn't there before the groom. Well, I, I bet it probably was. <laughs> you just yeah. need to have that there for you, really. Yeah, like I've never had a problem, touch wood. Um, but no, and I I've think got, I just think you just cover your backs. You just you never you never know. Yeah. yeah, and also you're just trying to do the best for the dog. And if you take that extra, you know, go the extra mile and actually note these things down and tell the owner, then actually you're just making their welfare better. You know, you don't, you don't have to do these things, but by doing yeah. it, you're just being great for the dog. Perfect. And also, it's so much easier when you do the handover consultation at the end to show them a picture of a, a lump than trying to, you know, it, it's Find this it. side of the dog. No, 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 this side. No, 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 Marjorie. It's just around this. Here, look, here's a picture. <laughs> Find it when you get home. I know. Do you know what? I always say this to owners as well because they'll come to a consultation. I'd like you to check this lump out. And I'm not kidding, like 15 minutes. And they'll, be, yeah, they'll be trying to find it. <laughs> trying to find it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Don't worry. Go when you go home, and they're literally walking out the door. I've got it. I've got it. <laughs> it's so I'm funny yeah. because I know it so well. Like, yeah, and then it'll be something like, oh, just... that's actually that's just a nipple. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's that that Marjorie is its vulva. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Oh my goodness. Honestly, though. <laughs> but you were, and I think with old dogs as well, the other thing is, is that we did mention dementia and I think it's hugely underdiagnosed. And I think mm. a lot of owners maybe just think the dog's getting old and doddery. But that plays a role on the grooming table because remember that they may have forgotten the process or oh, feel yeah, like of it's almost like grooming a new dog. So if they Grooming suddenly, a dog with yeah. dementia is tough, man. It's hard work. Hard. And they're confused and maybe their behaviour's changed mm. and you're thinking... Why are, you, yeah. Yeah. why are you getting a bit stroppy or yeah. why are you making do your weird bark on the table yes. it's I can't I don't want to bark because you'll already think I'm more insane than what I am but there's a really <laughs> distinctive bark that they do and I feel like yeah. it's associated with that doggy dementia thing yeah yeah almost like a fearful I always think they're a bit they're just confused mm. it's like a, yeah I mean and they might be more vocal again in, in always on your grooming table for sure so I and, and also for groomers, I think they really should think about letting the dog down maybe at least once in the groom, just to let the dog stretch its legs out. Remember, they're going to get quite stiff and they're not going to be like the young dogs that bounce back. It's mm. quite a big deal for them. And also don't feel, one thing I will say, don't ever feel pressurised by an owner. Remember, it's always welfare over aesthetics. And if you believe yeah. that dog cannot stand for that groom and cannot have that beautiful mm. teddy bear haircut and all you can manage is, no or bath. F it all off, for goodness sake. Yeah, just clip out yeah. what needs to be done, forego the bath, just think mm-hmm. about the dog every single time. Don't worry about the Facebook reviews if they come in. You know, this is what we all worry about now because you've done the right yeah. thing for the dog. I've actually had a customer with a standard poodle leave me because I refused to give it a, you know, a nice standard poodle, clipping all its feet, face. Crazy. Because it just, it couldn't handle it. It was such an old girl and it was too much. I said, I'm not clipping her face because she's, well, you know, poor thing's trying to stand up on three legs and she wasn't comfortable laying down. Often as often as well, people don't realise that old dogs aren't very comfortable sitting. Sitting is yes. quite an uncomfortable position for yeah. an old dog. And they'd much rather lay down or stand up than actually sit. Yeah. So, you know, I've had people, you know, and I say, well, I'm not doing it. So, no. Stand your ground. It's sad. It's sad. Yeah. But, you know, but like you say, humanity over vanity, always. Always. Oh, I like that. That's a good, that's a good way of saying it, humanity over vanity. I like that. I, I think, yeah, absolutely. And we have to remember that. Remember, it always sounds cheesy, but, you know, never forget the dogs don't have a voice. We have to do that. And if we do not feel comfortable with something and don't believe in it, then you don't do it. Mm. Like, you can't. I know for me that um, I couldn't sleep at night if I felt that I you know made a dog go through something that they felt uncomfortable with and at the end of the day I want Mm. to to feel free and easy in my own with myself yeah and feel like I've done the best for that dog well I had a springer in um week before last and I've been grooming her for about 11 years maybe she's she's lovely and um I think that if the dogs are comfortable enough with you then if you can get them laid down on their side yeah. And just I actually have a little, like, I'll show you this little vid. So I, where's my camera? Ooh, ooh, there we go. Oh so I'll just God. do her like this. So as long as they're comfortable, I'll just do whatever I can with her, with her laid down. And then all I need to do is stand her up at the last minute and just check her over. That and is I always... Niche. Yeah, sorry. You know, it, was, it literally looks like my dog that I lost last year, and I used to oh, exactly, I used to lay him yeah. down and clip him. Same, exactly the same. Exactly the same. She's she's an arthritic springer as well, so I'm not going to let her stand there for that grooming appointment 
So I will, you know, as long because some dogs don't really like it if they're not particularly comfortable, you know, they won't. But she she will lay down and then I'll do everything. I'll just work around. I'll just tell the owners I'm really sorry for left a bit here in the groin yeah. or whatever. But, you know, just so long as she's comfortable. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? And I think, again, if you're confident in yourself and you can turn around and say, right, your dog is elderly. And so therefore I'm going to change my grooming approach. I think it makes you look professional as well. And if owners don't respect that, then, you know, that's their tough luck basically. And they don't have to stay and they can go. Yeah. Um, but I think it makes you, re- it makes, you're not just a groomer, you are caring for a dog as well. It's a caring, it's a caring job. It's not mm. just about cutting hair, is it? There's, a, there's more to it than that, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally, I totally am with that 100%. Um, and I know that their owners appreciate what I do. So. And that's what you want, isn't it? You want to yeah, attract exactly. the people that you know. I want to attract the customers here on the same wavelength. <laughs> exactly, totally agree. I'm, I'm exactly the same thought process as you, and I want and I want to be able to sleep at night. So I don't want to feel like I've put yeah. through something that I don't think is right. And I couldn't deal with that. Last sort of thing that I want to talk about um, is obviously it's a difficult one. It's it's the end, isn't it? It's when's the when's the right time to say goodbye my somebody told me about a quality of life scale that you can look at online which is really good for me making the decision to put my doberman down yeah because we all have that nostalgic idea that we're going to just they're going to pass away peacefully in their sleep but in reality that doesn't happen an awful lot of the time and sometimes obviously we need to intervene don't we and it is just difficult knowing when the right time is, you know, because it's such a tough decision. But I think that we need to understand that these are animals. They don't understand how they're feeling sometimes. So, yeah, you know, what's your take on it? Oh, it's so hard. I like these quality of life scales. And also I often say to owners, you know, write down five things that your dog absolutely loves. And mm. if they are starting, you know, you're getting losing two or three of those, then you know that they're not happy anymore if you know, if they love a certain type of food and they suddenly they just don't want it anymore, they're being, you know, extra fussy. Yeah, yeah. You're my my Dobie was her tennis ball. She yeah, my, my spring was the same. Obsessed. Yeah. And then the, the day you know, that she didn't want to carry that tennis ball around, I was like, Ugh. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so actually very similar to me because my Springer basically that sort of started with him. So he used to like to just hold on to it all the time. It was his little thing, even in the house. Mm. And um, he stopped doing it. So I had in my mind, so this was June last year, my plan was that I was going to go into work, get the medic, like get the drugs, come home, put him to mm. seat at home when the kids yeah. were at nursery, just mm. me and my partner, Oof. we'd do it peacefully at home. So we had this plan and then it was almost like he'd heard that plan because that night he started to fit and he had a seat. Oh there. my gosh. And it was a Saturday night and my work is pretty far a couple of hours away from wow. where I am, about an hour and a half so the, the fit stopped and he recovered and actually he was he was okay so I slept downstairs with him and he didn't have another fit and actually in the morning he seemed a bit happier and perkier again but then he went and had another seizure so I decided there and then that's it so I wanted my partner to be with me which meant we had to take all three toddlers so we had three toddlers in the back of the car like really now I can almost see this as a comical thing at the time it was obviously yeah. horrendous. I think sometimes, you know, situations like this where it's so upsetting, you almost do like think, oh my gosh. How do we do? I know. And I was like, well, I can't leave, you know, I can't leave little children at home on their own. Mm. So put them all in the car. 
put Peppa Pig on, and I kid you not, they're just sat there watching Peppa Pig while I'm euthanizing my own dog oh my in my car with my oh partner. My gosh. Um, and then, yeah, we just... And then I had this whole plan. You think about plan of... Uh, I yeah. then I'd made my head that I was going to have him cremated and get the ashes back and I was going to scatter them where you know I, I wanted them to go and I, I didn't I was like I can't let him go he's got to come home I need to bury him I, I can't oh, actually let yeah. him go so we have a cherry tree now like where I, I buried him that's um, so nice but it was so hard like to to I don't actually know how I did that and again you know I actually think that putting thing. them to ground is actually quite nice it's quite yeah. natural isn't it yeah and then putting him to seat myself was I always said I could never do that and actually I am so glad now that I did because I, I he needed that, I think. And I needed that. I needed to do that for him. Gosh, that's the other thing I always tough. see as well. And I know it's hard sometimes for owners to stay and I don't want to rub that in because I know with COVID, some people haven't been able to necessarily be there. Mm. But if you do have the opportunity and you're considering whether to stay with them or not, as vets, we love you to stay with them. Oh, yeah. It's just, I just sort of need you to be there as well because I, I don't want them to be with, when, not just with me you know looking like, at you you want them to be looking at the mummy eating yeah. whatever they wanted to eat yeah <laughs> no and horrible day. I um the worst thing was my day be actually I had to have a put to sleep and my husband was on away on a stag do like oh shit hit the fan and I was yeah. like I had to, I know I had to take her it was it was awful um I just had my daughter then I didn't have my son so I don't actually I can't remember what happened to her um Somebody had her. Just she didn't come with me. <laughs> and I remember um, putting her in the boot of the car, and I was just sat in the boot of the car waiting for the appointment. Like, so we got a big car, so I was sat in there with her. Yeah. And I remember one of the neighbours walking past and said, "Oh, she looks tired." And I was just, oh, yeah. And I took her, and obviously I stayed. Of course, I did. Yeah, yeah. And I, I actually, oh, I'd, I've never sobbed so much. It's awful, they just, isn't it? They were really lovely. It was beautiful. And I walked in the bets and they were like, oh, Verity, you're doing the right thing. She's so ready. She's tired. She's so tired. Yeah. It was so sweet. And uh, and we did it. And, um, and yeah, they just left me in the room with her for like half an hour. Oh, it's, just, it's the worst, isn't it? And I think it's, it's so hard. It really is such a hard thing to face. But I see the flip side as well, where people leave it far too late. Yeah, and this that, is this is the thing that I see a lot as well. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's horrendous. And you're literally there, and you think, okay, just because the dog is is breathing and maybe is taking a tiny little bit of food and and, and a couple of staggery steps, yeah, but generally is like just urinating where it lays and is completely yeah it's not, not it's, it's, it's not alive okay. but it, there's no life and yeah. I see that a lot and actually when you say about it being the worst job as a as a vet sometimes it becomes you know not not to say it makes you feel happy that's wrong but like um what's the word I'm trying to think of you feel relief actually for that animal mm. if you see them like that and you think I'm actually glad right now that I can do this that I can put you out of this misery and stop this right now and you don't have to keep going through this because again it's humanizing they don't understand how they feel the way they feel they just they're living in the moment they just feel the way that they feel and that's their existence and this that's what breaks my heart it's horrible and as you say people the thing is I also understand that people don't want to let them go and it's it's all I guess for us as well with animals because we have that option whereas obviously with people we don't we can't do yeah. that we can't you know and I'm sure there's many people out there that probably have thought 
I've seen a loved one slip away and I wish I could have done something or, you know, it's horrible mm-hmm. to, for them to have to go through that. But we do have that option with animals. You say, and I, and I, I think it is sometimes, yeah, it's, it's sometimes with euthanasias, it's just, you know, it's absolutely soul destroying. Thankfully for me, because I am very outspoken on this topic. I've never put a healthy dog to sleep. Um, but I do have colleagues that have been forced into that position uh, for one reason or another and yeah I that I couldn't live with either I couldn't mm. deal with that you know you have people that will come in that have just you know have a dog that it just doesn't suit their just lifestyle a, anymore yeah oh really and then and that's the easiest way out for them you know I've tried a couple of rehoming centers they're not interested so you know we'll put them to sleep and it's often when they're starting to get into the latter years as well where they can't be easily rehomed either Oh yeah, that's that's soul destroying as well. Like you've had that before, where people are, you know, will get want to get rid of an old dog because they've got a new dog on the way, or that that's horrible. Um, also, as well, it sounds dreadful, but you get the the Christmas clear out, where people, you know, they want to have time with friends and family and go away and do things, and actually the dog is 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 aged, perhaps not quite at the point of ready for euthanasia, but it just yeah. works well for them at that point. Wow, you see all sorts of things. I think you know, 90% of what I see is very genuine and, you know, people are really upset. And, and I, and, yeah, yeah, but you, you also see the arse end of society I'm oh, sure, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Too much. There's too many arse ends of society at the moment. <laughs> it just seems to be that like everyone's on this like angry mission of like, just, you know, I just wish people, I know it's, you know, again, that tacky mm. thing, but I wish people would be kinder in so many ways. And then we'd all have such nicer, nicer approach to life it's so much easier if we were just all you know nicer to each other 100 percent, yeah and our animals oh, oh yeah i mean absolutely obviously i know our lovely animals that all they have is us and, and if we don't give them the best life and, and yeah. we don't treat them with respect then they they're gonna miss out you know they're not with us for very long Apart from, I think, our chihuahuas are like, live until they're like... Yeah, 20. they'd be 21. So. Oh, 100%. I can actually feel my partner behind me now going, oh. Just because they're, they're really yappy. He'll be like, 21. Your kids will be at uni and the chihuahuas will still be there barking their heads off in the back garden. Yeah, no teeth, like tongue hanging yeah. out the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that as well about, you know, like when old dogs can be a bit like they, they smell but, and to other people it might be like, oh, their breath really smells or something like that. I used to actually love the smell of my dog, even though to other people they may have like stinking, it, yeah. an offensive stinking smell. I was like, but he's my old man. But it's my stink. Yeah. And I miss his stink. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually like, yes, his breath may have been like a toxic cesspit. Like, yeah. smell, like you know, <laughs> even though his teeth actually weren't even that, but they were pretty good. He just had really snelly breath. And I used to think, but yeah, but I like that breath. <laughs> it's my Do you know, I was, ta- I was talking to one of my friends, Cheryl, the other day, because she had an old Doberman at the same time that I did. Yeah. And uh, we were saying, oh God, what lovable oafs they were, but what hard work. And then we were saying about, I was saying about Angel, she used to lay on the floor and because my poodles aren't stinky at all. Really? Oh, oh yeah. Not, they're not. Yes, it's not you know, they'll tiptoe around a puddle. But my dobie would be laid there like a big windsock and you'd just be listening to TV and all you'd hear is like a... Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'd be like, oh, no, evacuate the room. Quick, run. My spaniel's are saying he's gross. He's absolutely... He 
he's absolutely he just, just his bum is just always on one <laughs> not again he can't have anything away from his diet either because he is quite sensitive yeah um and then he becomes he, a, a windsock yeah Love and he that. is my one that I raw feed and I, he does work but if I if I divert and I give him anything as a little little extra yeah he stinks and actually my only one saving grace is that I don't have a very like since I had COVID at December and my sense of smell is still really poor since December really? yeah wow. I can't distinguish between strong smells either so if you said to me like is that, is that the dog's trump or is that some cheese in the fridge I wouldn't be able to tell you and that's the thing you know like I, I now I, I I get this really weird if it's a strong smell I just can smell burning but I couldn't tell you what it is I wouldn't know if it was like dog poo or someone with really strong perfume on oh my goodness how frightening really in the the night though the house the house I know I know it's terrible really and um yeah the one saving grace is that when I change my children's nappies it doesn't affect me like it used to I'd be there before you know just feeling a little bit sick about the whole thing no way oh, you've got a strong stomach don't tell me your nappy bothers you does uh, it? Or, well, it depends how much wine I've had the night before. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair dues. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. It depends, really. Do you know what nappies bother me is in slightly older children. Baby, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want your own. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when they're sort of three to four, you know, when they're just sort of then going through, like my daughter now, I don't have to, she's four. Mm. She's potty trained now and she tends to not ever, you know. The odd little, little tiny accident. Yeah, that, yeah, but when they're newborns, I couldn't care less. It seems to just be inoffensive. When they're just on milk, they don't stink. When they start eating solids, it all just goes wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 it does. Yeah, but I'm weird because I, again, I, I deal with blood all the time in my job. Human blood, I could just pass out sometimes. Really? Yeah, I can't stand it. It makes me feel really sick. Yeah, I don't know what it is because I always, you know, I, I became a vet because I really loved, really loved animals. Mm. Um, but my second like choice of job was a serious contender was to become a plastic surgeon the, uh, no yeah I wanted to do reconstructive surgery maybe on people that have been in accidents or you know I was really very much keen on that have you ever uh, watched have you ever watched botched yeah yeah god I mean when they do a nose job it is just brutal isn't it I know it is brutal and but I, I just I really love the idea of it but I was like but then I won't go to work with animals and <clears throat> that was kind of the my main sort of driving factor mm. But then I was also like, I don't think I could do it. I don't know if I could do, I don't know if I could do human blood. Maybe if I was involved in an operation and really concentrating, I wouldn't think about it. Mm. But I'm not great with, I'm not great with human blood or sick or anything like that. Dogs, it doesn't bother me. Mm. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, that is. Yeah, because I'm just not okay with any of it, really. So... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's weird because if I'm doing a surgery and I'm concentrating, then blood doesn't really bother me. Or no, because you know you've got to get a job done. Yeah, and, and I'm not yeah. really thinking of it that way. But if I was with another vet and they were like, "Well, Sophie, could you just help me? Like, can you just like hold this, you know, spleen out the way whilst I'm having to?" Because you know, sometimes like you get big dogs, <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, two yeah. of you might scrub in together. And if I'm just stood there staring at their surgery and it's really bloody, sometimes I'm a bit like, "Oh, it's a bit hot in here." <laughs> It's so weird, even like that, like, you know, 12 years down the line, like, oh my God, that's funny. Yeah, no, I'm sure sure you're not the only vet who feels like that, because let's face it, it's not the nicest thing, is it? No, no, sometimes I just think, how did I just manage that, you know, and yeah, I I don't, to be honest, I don't know how you manage any of it, because yeah, I I always actually wanted to be a vet, Sophie, but. Did you? Yeah, but I, I can't cope with anything like that, I can't. 
I think it's amazing though when you actually do do it you amaze yourself I think as to what you can really cope with mm. and you, you I mean yeah let's put it into let's put it into context I couldn't even watch an episode of Casualty okay that's quite extreme yeah I can't deal with any any of it yeah it's funny my partner he's the same with blood as well and he's really really awful with it like you know gonna pass out if I just w- I'm just like a cartoon I like run around in circles panicking if like one of my if one of my kids hurt themselves I'm absolutely <laughs> terrible oh dear right anyway now we're at the end of episode 22 I'm gonna finish off by asking Sophie my quick fire questions these are ah, okay. literally one to two word answers so are you ready yes your dog food of choice anything that's balanced balanced food Favourite place to walk? The beach. Number of dogs under your roof right now? Four. If you're a dog, what breed of dog would you be? I would be a breed of dog, and this is, a, I know I've made this into a longer answer, but I would be a breed of dog who had a great owner. Oh, I love it. Very on topic. <laughs> yeah, one that's, yeah, one that actually brushes me and looks after me and takes care of my needs. That's what breed I'd be. Oh, that's so nice. Now, your favourite holiday destination? Uh, so if it's with the children <laughs> Cornwall or Devon if it's with the children somewhere with a holiday camp <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and if it wasn't with children then I would really love to be somewhere like the Maldives right now <laughs> oh yeah but uh, not with children not with children <laughs> no, no, no. that really that really knocks off the relaxation doesn't it, I mean it just kills it doesn't it I would just yeah. literally play the duty of lifeguard like that, that would be that would be my role like the whole time stopping my children from drowning. all you do is have a horrendously bad back because you just bent double with toddlers <laughs> all the time aren't you <laughs> yeah and it's just not the same is it you just can't sit there and read a book or relax and actually I say that every, before having children we were always massively active on our holidays actually and everybody used to go and lie down and you know mm-hmm. do nothing I remember going to Mauritius and seeing so many stray dogs I spent well I so said we spent most of our two weeks there hiring a car and going out and feeding the dogs mm-hmm. and then defleeing them and worming and buying products to I've done that in Greece before it's crazy isn't it it's like this is meant to be a relaxing holiday but I can't I can't witness this I know my my role here is probably going to not make a lot but you know what it's like you can't you just can't can you, you can't I know I know us Brits soft touches aren't we that's it <laughs> now then what's your worst nightmare dog breed to own what would it be oh something hairy something slobbery something slobbery big. probably I, I mean that's really hard because I I do love we love all dogs all of them yeah I'm not, I'm not a fan of the tennis shoe laces hanging out of the mouth thing no right. or maybe and you know when they shake and it's like sprack on your wall oh yeah I know but my friend's got a St. Bernard actually he's really sweet but yes. again I'm always there like I don't think I could do that. Actually, that's one thing that makes me feel a little bit sick, actually, is the dribble. I don't think I could do the draw. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be a nightmare. Or, I mean, I've got one, the Spaniel, who just sits there and farts all night. <laughs> it is a nightmare. Like, it stinks. Um, so but... your worst nightmare would be a slobbery, trumpy dog. <laughs> yeah. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining me and Sophie on that note. <laughs> Sophie can be found on Instagram at Animal Love Vet, and Sophie also has loads of amazing courses available online on all aspects of canine health and first aid for pet professionals, pet owners, and obviously even grooming specials as well. And obviously coming soon, make sure you check out her senior special 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pod on the Dog and make sure that you subscribe. And a big thank you to Natural Instinct for sponsoring this episode. Check out their website and bag yourself some of their naturally delicious dog treats because even our golden oldies deserve a treat too. Oh, and don't forget to apply the discount code, Verity15. That's a bye from us. Bye. Bye. Bye.